Well, amen. I trust and pray that you've been blessed throughout the service together as we have shared around the Lord's table and partaken in communion as we've sung praise and worship to our God and King as well. And right now we're going to move to the sermon, the message, the the real highlight for me of the service as, as we gather around the Word of God together as the people of God. And this is our 10th and final week in the book of Acts. We're going to be starting a new series whenever we come back to church, but it's going to be our 10th and final Sunday looking at this theme, Church Without Walls. I truly believe that God has been speaking to us as a church, calling us back in many ways to our roots and back to basics, um, and giving us a picture of the church that he requires us to be as we serve the community of East Belfast here. But right now, to put this uh, in a bit of context, we're going to be in Acts chapter 26. We're going to pick up a reading at verse 4. But Paul is on trial. Paul has been thrown from ruler to ruler to governor to governor, from chief to chief. He's been before Caesar, the emperor, and he now stands before King Agrippa. King Agrippa is the great grandson of Herod the Great. And he's the son of Herod Agrippa, who killed James, the apostle but also who tried to kill Peter. But Herod Agrippa is soft to the gospel. And Paul is on trial for showing and sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. And in our passage today, we see in the clearest terms, Paul giving account of his journey with the Lord Jesus. Paul, in essence, in this passage, is sharing his testimony before King Agrippa. Testimonies are important. Testimonies are powerful for the share of the work of transformation and justification in our lives. The share of how Christ, by his grace, lifts us from death into life. How Christ, by his grace, also sanctifies us makes us more and more into his likeness, into his image, and as we live lives which reflect the beauty of his holiness. Our testimonies are so important. They are stories of transformation. They are stories of being lifted from death into life. Very often we hear people say, well, my testimony is not all that great. My story is not all that important. I want to say to you today that your story is important. That story of God's grace, that story of transformation in your life. Even though God may not have necessarily saved you from a life of sex, drugs and rock and roll, your story is still important. For your story is a, tr- is a story of transformation. And you are a miracle of God's grace. Hear this quote from Louis Giglio, one of, uh, one of the greatest preachers in our generation he says people say all the time I don't have a good testimony because they think their story has to involve some drastic story of change from bad to good but Jesus didn't come to save people this way sin doesn't make us bad it makes us dead Jesus came to save by bringing the dead to life and that's an amazing 
testimony. If you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you are a story of resurrection. You are a story of transformation. Your story is important and your testimony is amazing. You are a miracle of the grace of God. And in, in our in-person services, very often I would share a verse from the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 11, where it reads, They conquered him, that is the evil one, they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even on to death. How do we overcome the evil one? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies. Our testimony is important. For it speaks of the transforming power of the grace of God. And that grace of God you are a miracle of today. And a testimony traditionally has three parts. And we see that played out in this account in Acts chapter 26. The first part is life before Jesus. Second part is all about that encounter with Jesus. And then thirdly. It's about life with Jesus. So life before Jesus, that encounter with Jesus, and the life that followed with Jesus after that encounter. So let's get to it this morning. The first point is life before Jesus. Let's pick up in verse 4 of chapter 26, and let's hear of Paul's life before he met Jesus. He said, My manner of life from my youth, spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem, is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of my hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our twelve tribes hope to attain, as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises from the dead, raises the dead? I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after off after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, rather, they I cast my vote against them and I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them I persecuted them even to foreign cities. See here Paul shares with us an insight into his life before he met Jesus. He opposed Christ in his living. He was a, je a zealous Jew. He, was, he refers to himself in one of his letters to the churches as the Jew of Jews. He was so wrapped up in religious living, in rule keeping, in regulations. He was so wrapped up in the law. He loved God. There was no doubt that he did love God, but he was so wrapped up in the law and in the keeping of the law. And he was a teacher of the law. He knew it like the back of his hand. He knew the law inside out. Those first five books of what we call the Bible. He was so wrapped up in the law. But he missed the point. 
that it was trying to convey. He missed the whole point. He was living for himself. He was considered a good and a righteous person by those around about him. He was revered. He was well respected. He was a Pharisee. He was at the top of his trade. Yet, he was without hope. Yet, he was without hope. Life before Jesus is a life without hope. Life without Jesus is a life without hope. I want to ask you today, if you're watching this and you have had an encounter with Jesus, what was your life like before you had that encounter? Many people who I've talked to down through the years said that their life was one that was devoid of hope. That they seemed to have all the stuff, but they had none of the satisfaction. Nothing seemed to satisfy. They were without hope. Maybe you haven't encountered Jesus today. Maybe you're just dipping your toe in. Maybe you've stumbled across this by accident this morning. Or maybe you've even just felt intrigued and you've wanted to find out more. I want to tell you today... That life with Jesus does not only lead to life everlasting, but it is a life which is filled with hope. If you're searching for hope today, know this. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. Life with Jesus is a life filled with hope. Life without Jesus is hopeless. You can have all the stuff. You can have all the things that the world has to offer. But you can still be empty. And devoid of hope. And if you are watching today, I want to tell you about a theological concept that we call provenient grace. God's provenient grace. Where God in his mercy is not a puppet master up in heaven who is far off, but rather he is a God who sticks closer than a brother, a God who gives us the choice to choose between right and wrong, a God who, even when we are far off, is gently wooing us to himself. God, the Holy Spirit, is weighing us and drawing us to himself. But he's a gentleman. I've said this many times in our in-person services. The Holy Spirit, God, is a gentleman. He will not force himself upon us, but gently woos us to himself. So maybe you're feeling that pull today. Maybe you've been having thoughts over the past wee while that There's a part of your life where there's something missing. That something is someone. And that someone is Jesus. And he is the hope of the nations. And even better than that, if we dare even say it, he is the hope for your life. And he is the hope 
of salvation and forgiveness and fulfillment and satisfaction. Life without Jesus for Paul was a life devoid of hope. It was hopeless. But a life with Jesus is a life filled with hope. So the first part of our testimony is what life was like before we met Jesus. The second part of our testimony is our encounter with Jesus. And we read Paul's encounter with Jesus in chapter 12, uh, in verse 12. It says, In this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I, am, I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We've already looked at Paul's life before Jesus, before he had an encounter with Jesus. It was one of misplaced devotion. It was muddled up with a, one of muddled up ideals and confusion, which led to fits of rage and anger against those who claimed the hope of Jesus Christ. It wasn't that he was uneducated. It wasn't that he wasn't respected or not at the top of his game or his field, because he was. He was all of those things. Rather, his life was empty because it was devoid of hope, which ironically he sought to quash in those who proclaimed the hope of Jesus Christ. And then, as we've read, everything changed. Everything changed. One encounter with Christ transformed his life. His eyes were opened and he was commissioned to go and to open the eyes of others, to tell them of the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of God that was available to all who would receive it. And that offer still stands for us today, to all who would receive, turning from darkness to light, turning from a life of sin towards a life of repentance, which leads to forgiveness of sins and from the power of Satan to the power of God. Paul was justified by his faith in Jesus Christ and he was commissioned to share that faith with others. 
And if we are to be the church without walls, which God is calling us to be, reaching into the community in generosity, reaching into the community with our time, our efforts, our money, reaching into the community with the hope of the message of Jesus Christ, we are commissioned and commanded to do the same. To go and to tell of the hope. To go and to tell of the love Paul had an encounter with Jesus that was undeniable. An encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever. And an encounter which led him to service. But pastor, I didn't have an encounter of a shining light when I was walking down the road. But pastor, my story doesn't look anything like Paul's. We use Paul's story as an example. We use Paul's testimony as an example for us this morning. Because sometimes an encounter with Jesus looks a little bit like this. I was eight years old. I was sent to Sunday school. And in a Sunday school class at the end of the lesson... A man by the name of Aaron Knox prayed with me as I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. I was eight years old. I hadn't had a previous life of going and persecuting Christians, of making fun of people, of even hurting people because of the hope that they had in Jesus Christ. Mine was a very simple story. And it would be so easy for us to just push aside our own stories because we weren't caught up in the things of the world because we weren't caught up in things which we call bad. But my story is no less legitimate than Paul's. As an eight-year-old boy, giving my life to Jesus Christ, having been brought up in a Christian home, but having this realization in a Sunday school class in the Carrick-Fergus Church of the Nazarene Minor Hall that I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus that I needed to ask him to forgive me for the wrong things that I had done. For the scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it also says that the gift of God is eternal life. And God, in his mercy that day, saved me as I came to him in repentance, eight years old. And he has kept me until this day. And he will keep me until the last Sometimes an encounter with Jesus looks like childlike faith. What did your encounter with Jesus look like? What did your salvation story encompass? I maybe want to encourage you this morning to take some time after this service or even the joys of online church could be that you could pause. Make a few notes. Thank God for saving you. Thank God for that moment. Maybe you're watching this morning and you haven't had that encounter with Jesus. That moment that changed everything. Or maybe even that process that changed everything. This morning the good news is this. That Jesus meets you where you are. Right where you are this morning. And he bids 
you come. He offers you forgiveness. He offers you right standing with himself. We call that justification. He offers you sanctification, which is him molding you more and more into his likeness. And he offers you hope. The scriptures say that Christ in us, the hope of glory. This is the gospel friends, that God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and dwelt among us. He lived our life. He bore our pain. He laid down his life so that we could be brought back into relationship with himself. And as he hung on the cross, He took our scoff. He took our shame. He took all the wrong things that we would ever do, past, present, and future. He took them all upon himself. And as he was nailed to that cross, he cried out, it is finished. And he made a way for us to have relationship with himself. Maybe as you're watching this morning, your heart's doing this. Maybe your heart's beating that little bit faster in your chest. Maybe there is no doubt in your mind that God is speaking to you this morning. Don't resist. For God, by his prevenient grace right now, is wooing you and giving you that opportunity to respond to the message that you've heard of a life that was transformed because Paul's encounter with Jesus changed the whole trajectory of his life. He went from hopelessness to hope. He went from legalism to grace. He went from chains to freedom in Christ. And that very same Jesus offers that to you this morning. If that's you, I just want to encourage you, don't wait till the end of the sermon. Do business with God now. Say, Lord, I'm sorry for the wrong things that I have done. I pray that you would save me from my sin. I accept you as Lord and Saviour of my life. I welcome you in. I need your help. I invite you to walk with me and save me. That leads us on to our third point this morning. Life with Jesus. You see, Paul told of his life before Jesus. He told of his encounter with Jesus. And in these next verses, from verse 19 to 23, he talks of his life with Jesus. And we read these words. He says, Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and throughout all the region of Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. 
For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. And to this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And so I stand here testifying both to the small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. That the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. You see, as part of his encounter with Jesus, Paul was given a commission and he did not shrink back from it. And it led him right across the known world. God took Paul farther than he could have ever imagined. From the desert to Antioch, to Philippi, to Iconium, to Athens, to Lystra, Jerusalem, Thessalonica, Bera, Corinth, uh, Corinth, Ephesus, Rome. You get the picture. God, in his grace, and God, in his mercy, took him farther, physically and spiritually. Paul went on the journey of life with God. But he also experienced the journey of sanctification and holiness where he was made more and more into the likeness of God. You see, our testimony does not stop with this encounter with Jesus. But it leads and should lead to a journey with God all the days of our lives where we are molded more and more into his likeness, where we do good deeds in his name. Those good deeds won't get us into heaven, but we do the good works that he has prepared for advance, in advance for us to do in service to him because we love him and we recognize what our life was like before him. And we are molded more and more into his likeness. We are sanctified. We are made holy. Yes, for Paul there were shipwrecks, literal shipwrecks, and there were bumps along the road, and our lives would be no different. But God was true to his promises, and he would, that he would keep in perfect peace he whose mind was set on him. And God will do the same for you. Doesn't mean that it's all going to be roses in the garden all the time. But what it does mean is that God... All of his promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. That he's never failed and he's not going to start with you. He's not going to leave you up the creek without a paddle. He is going to keep in perfect peace you when your mind is stayed on him. God is for you, church. He's not against you. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. And just as God stayed true to Paul... Paul stayed true to the message of the one who transformed his life because of the hope that he had and the hope that had saved him and the hope that he had received, the hope that he had in his very being because of who Jesus was and is still today. Church, listen. Life will throw you curveballs. There will be bumps along the way. But he who has called you, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he who has called you is faithful and he will do it. Stay close to God 
And he will save you to the uttermost. He will sanctify you wholly. He will keep you from stumbling and he will present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. If you stay the course with Jesus, he will never let you be put to shame. The church without walls. You, me, church without walls. You are a miracle of God's amazing grace. Your story matters. The hope which you profess has the power to transform the hardest of hearts, to change the directory trajectory of the one who you feel is farthest from God and going down their own path. Change the trajectory of the lives that society has written off. This is the hope of the gospel, that no one is outside of the reach of the love of God and therefore no one is outside of the reach of the church of Jesus Christ, the church that has been commissioned to go and make disciples. And church, people relate to stories. People relate to stories. And your story matters because your story is the story that speaks of the reality of the Saviour who died to make possible the forgiveness of sins, the salvation of souls, and relationship with God. The church without walls is a church which shares the story of the grace of God. And that story transforms community. And will transform our community. But we've got to do our part. So let's share the story. And let's believe the scripture that says that our God can do more than we can ask or imagine. Go share your story. And believe that the spirit of God will move in our community. Go in peace. Be blessed and worship the Lord.